and Dry is the song that we're using to open episode 150 of Monster Kid Radio. It's from the band The Mighty Surf Lords from their album Into the Surf. It appears on this episode of the podcast. With their permission, this is Monster Kid Radio, the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. This week, we've been doing some bonafide classics. A couple of days ago, we did House of Frankenstein. Today, we're talking about House of Dracula. Frank Dietz is back here on Monster Kid Radio to join me, writer producer Derek M. Cook. We're going to talk about House of Dracula this time around and a few other things. I want to welcome you to the show. Of course, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our website first. Before we get into all of that, check out monsterkidradio.net. We can find out everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. From here, you can find links to everything like our Live 365 internet radio station, our Amazon store, links to every song that's appeared on the podcast, and our Patreon page where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio. Definitely appreciate everybody's support, everybody who has become a patron of the show. People like patron Steven Turner. So head over to patreon.com and look at Monster Kid Radio or follow the link in the show notes to find out how you can become a patron yourself. We also have our contact information over at our website. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com and our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-4795-MKR. We did get an email in from Chris Franklin from the Supermates podcast. I'm going to go ahead and read that right now. I really enjoyed your House of Frankenstein talk with Frank Dietz. Although I feel the Universal Monster Films quality has dipped a bit by this point into B-grade territory, it's still a fun movie, and it almost feels like an interlocked anthology film in a way. To me, Karloff is the glue that holds it all together. I do think Cheney was a bit underutilized in this one, but I also agree with Frank that Cheney's transformation and crash through that window is one of his best screen moments as the Wolfman. Larry was rocking his easy top-like beard in this one, too. Much hairier than his previous outings. Lack of yak fur due to World War II raging on will cause him to get a haircut in House of Dracula. Speaking of which, I'm excited to hear you two talk about that movie. It's kind of a hot mess, really, but still enjoyable. Cheney's puzzling mustache and the very odd subplot with the Hyde-like mad doctor make this an odd one. I'm glad Universal got the gang back together to wrap things up in Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, because this ending is kind of... meh. Despite all that, I still love to watch, read, and talk about this flick, so I'm in for the next episode for sure. Thanks for pointing me towards Frank's work. It goes without saying, it's outstanding stuff. I agree, House of Dracula is fun, warts and all, and we're going to talk a little bit about that with Frank. Really appreciate you writing in, and I couldn't agree with you more. These movies, they're a lot of fun. Of course, I really dig Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein as well. I appreciate that Bela Lugosi came back for the role. Love Carradine, but Lugosi is the man. So Chris Franklin is from the Supermates podcast. You can find them over at supermatescomic.blogspot.com or look them up in iTunes. If you go back and listen to their episodes from September and October, you're going to hear them talking about some of the classic monster movies. Sometimes some of the movies that we even talked about here on the show, their Monster Squad episode was excellent. So go check that out if you have some time. Chris, I appreciate you writing in and letting us all know what you think of these movies. Frank's work He's got a Kickstarter campaign for his book, Sketchy Things, The Art of Frank Dietz. Look up Frank Dietz, and that's D-I-E-T-Z, at Kickstarter, or follow the link in the show notes, and you're going to see a Kickstarter campaign to put together a collection of Frank's 
best of artwork as well as some new pieces as well. Frank's art style is kind of a mix of caricature and portraiture. And it's all cool. So go check that out. Frank is also a filmmaker. You can find him over at BenMonsterFilms.com. That's Benevolent Monster Productions. That's the company behind the excellent documentary, Beast Wishes, an upcoming documentary about King Kong, and a few other things. Go check that out as well. Let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you. I want to go ahead and get into this conversation with Frank about House of Dracula, a little bit about House of Frankenstein. We're going to get into that right after this. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. The Haunted Palace. You, who find a kind of macabre boyishness in the horrifying, will enjoy yourselves as in ecstasy in The Haunted Palace. Starring Vincent Price, a being who lived and died and lives again. I'll not have my fill of revenge until this village is a graveyard. And intriguing Deborah Paget, whose appealing beauty inflames the blood of the bloodless. Charles, please. I... Well, I've been very busy, but I'm back now. Charles. Charles. Oh, no. have the whole no. night his violent, torturous passions inflict both pain and terror. Lon Chaney, carrying on a family tradition of masterful motion picture horror, while the strange and feared new master of the haunted palace reaches for the skeleton of one long dead. He's taken her mind, her soul, just like the others. Really, this is outrageous. And let's think about it. From this night onward, you shall bear my curse. Burn him! Surely after all these years, I'm entitled to a few small amusements. Hello, Christopher. What insanity are you up to today? Oh, hey, Lydia. I'm downloading some movies. What? People are always telling me that's illegal. Uh-uh, not these. They're all public domain. Oh, look, Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Well, let me see what you're doing. Oh, you're at archive.org. Well, they have thousands of films, TV shows, commercials radio shows, and books available. Yeah, but there are so many. I wish there was a podcast or something that would discuss these things. You know, give us an idea of what's worth the time. Um, Christopher, there is. We do one. <laughs> oh, that's right. We host Orphan Entertainment. Once a month, we pick something from archive.org and review and discuss it. <laughs> that sure is nice of us. <laughs> sure. Well, why don't you click over to orphan-entertainment.jonja.net and remind yourself a little more about the show. Will do. So let's see. That's orphan-entertainment.jonja.net. Hey, can we review the Gilligan's Island movie sometime? Mm-hmm. We'll see, Christopher. We'll see.
of the Gorilla with Barbara Payton, Lon Chaney, Raymond Burr, and Tom Conway. The dramatic story of a strange curse that brought terror to a man and frenzy to a woman in love. Don't go away. You do love me, don't you? That's all I need to know. We are standing in my way, and Dina's. We love each other. What are you going to do about it? Did you see this animal? Yes, I have seen the animal. It walks in his hind legs. Like a man? No, like a beast that walks like a man. Oh, let's go back, Bonnie, please. I'll never go back. Never. Stop. Go on. Why don't you shoot? You can't miss. shadow work now yes. i'm sure that that's partially him and his and his director of photography uh, to set up those shots but you count how many times you could make it a drinking game like every time that, <laughs> that, that they have something happen in shadow on the wall um some major thing you know you do a shot right you'd be hammered but great stuff though i mean the bat you know in house of frankenstein that lands on on the burgermeister and crawl it's crawling up him daniel breaking neon's back Oh, that's uh, that's shadow. pretty. That's uh, impressive. That's intense. Yeah. Uh, and House of Dracula has a lot of those too. Um, a really cool one of uh, uh, Doctor Edelman when he's been tainted uh, mm-hmm. by Dracula's blood. When he's like running and his shadow is getting like bigger and bigger and bigger as he runs. Yes. Or, you know, I mean, it's really it's some great great visual stuff in both of these movies, um, which I would uh, you know basically attribute to the director Earl Ken. Yeah, I would too. I feel like House of Dracula feels so. It just feels like everybody's kind of just playing out their contract. It yeah. just there's not much <laughs> juice left, you know. No, no. I always feel like like all the characters in, in House of Dracula are stifling a yawn. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah. See, you know? There's some nice sequences, of course. I mean, I love Talbot changing in the jail cell, which is kind of a unique yeah. thing, right? It's. Um, I was wondering though, was it really a good idea for Doctor Edelman to put his his house and his office on the edge of a cliff? Uh, really see, you know. What's the worst that could happen? (laughs) It's the worst that could happen, exactly. But that that cave sequence is cool, too. And I'm wondering, I'm actually wondering, when I was watching it, I was just watching it last night again, and uh, I was kind of wondering where they shot those caves, because those are not sets. Those are not soundstage sets. They found a real cave that had water in it somewhere uh, along the coast, I'm assuming. Love to know where those caves, where, where those caves are. There's a lot of people that you know that try to go back and find the uh, original locations sure. for films. You know, it's a big deal uh, these days, and and uh, no one's bothered me because nobody's really seen House of Dracula a lot or something. But uh, <laughs> um, it is it is kind of like, you know, like the quiet child, you know. <laughs> yeah, 
of the Frankenstein family. It really is. It's such a weird one to end the original push on if you don't count Abbott and Costello. It's just odd. Right, and Abbott and Costello, too, uh, you know, I feel it's almost like an alternate universe movie. You know what I mean? Um, Like uh, that these are not the same Frankenstein and Dracula that are in the – I mean, yes, it's Larry Talbot. A lot of people say, oh, well, you know, the the cure that he gets at the end of House of Dracula doesn't stick and that he's the Wolfman again in Abbott and Costello Frankenstein. But I think it just seems like a separate entity to me, like some some other – some alternate weird universe. But that's just me. One thing that I noticed about House of Dracula that's very interesting is that there's very little – death in it it's almost like they were they were downplaying all the monsters talbot finally gets cured doesn't kill anyone uh in the entire that's a good point no that's Wolfman, that's a really Wolfman good point doesn't get the opportunity to actually harm anybody uh he's in the jail cell in the first scene he's in the cave on the second scene and that's it those are the only two wolfman scenes in the film and then it's kind of interesting <laughs> you know for a guy who's just been cured lycanthropy and has a hot girlfriend now yeah <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't seem terribly happy about it <laughs> you know i mean, I mean you, you'd expect at least a smile at some point but he just looks like he's just dazed <laughs> you know and then the other thing too it's like okay <laughs> you're a werewolf right you're mm-hmm. you suffer the curse of the damned the full moon and everything like that where when the full moon rises you grow all this hair and fangs and so forth so why in God's name would you want to grow a mustache? Yeah, the mustache just throws it <laughs> off for me. I I love the Inner Sanctum films. I love what he did with those movies, but I I just don't like Cheney with a mustache. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And then of course, you know, it, it, what's funny about it is, is when he changes, the mustache goes away. Yeah. It's like the werewolf doesn't have a mustache. So it's like it kind of inverts, I guess, you know. So if the hair is coming out, the hair on the outside's got to go in, I guess. I don't know. But uh, it, it's pretty funny. Yeah. I, I, but there's still some great stuff. And Jane Adams in this film, also a lovely lady that I was lucky enough to meet many years ago. Oh, sweet, wow. sweet lady. She is just lovely. She's the hunchback. Nina. Nina. Yeah. No, she she's a – Totally different than Daniel. I mean, she's a good person. I mean, she's a sweetheart. She's sort of the moral yeah. foundation uh, you know, of the movie. Once, she really is. Once, once old Doc Ailman gets gets tainted, as they say. Yeah. Um, but she she really is. She's just beautiful, and you like her. And that's what – that makes it that much harder when she is brutally killed by Dr. Edelman. Mm-hmm. Your heart drops at that. And it's not even just a simple, you know, strangulation. Not only strangulation, he like tosses her. Uh, you know, she just like boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Oh, it's not, yeah. I, I love how Kenton introduced uh, her in House of Dracula as well as how we had Daniel introduced to the Gypsy Girl in House of Frankenstein where he cleverly put some things in the foreground or kind of hid the hunchback. So it becomes a reveal. Exactly. And I loved that. I thought that was pretty skillful, actually. Yeah. And, and nice. I mean, she's, just yeah. a, she's a great character and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, probably my favorite character in the movie. And, you know, she's I, honestly, it's like, okay, she's a hunchback. But quite frankly, I find her more, far more attractive and interesting than the other nurse, you know, that Cheney ends up with. Yeah. Who uh, doesn't. I mean, Martha Driscoll's a beautiful lady and everything like that, but she didn't have any spark to me. Not that kind of attractive personality that Jane Adams portrays. I agree. There's, it's a little flat. Yeah. 
It is, yeah. That's what I meant. That whole, you know, the, the the gag about you know everyone stifling a yawn, um, yeah. uh, particularly um, her character. But Onslow Stevens is terrific. Oh uh, no, he gets a chance to do everything. I mean, he's yeah. he's the altruistic doctor who doesn't believe, and then he gets tainted, and he's going through this whole journey and this yeah. kind of the good doctor, bad doctor dream sequence, you know? Yeah. Which is great too. Oh, it's that's got, wonderful. Spinning things and, and those great dream sequence put together. And, and unfortunately we don't get to actually see the scene that is depicted in that dream where he's like, he's bringing the Frankenstein monster down into town to like, you know, kill people. And there's a lot of stock footage from other Frankenstein movies and so forth. I think I read there are like four different people playing the monster in this because of that stock footage. Yeah. You got Karloff and Cheney and all of them. So, yeah, at the end also, there's a there's a bunch of uh, scenes of other Frankenstein's yep. uh, getting, getting burnt in the carnage. Yep. Um, but um, Stevens is uh, it's really interesting because they really do create a, an entirely new monster with his character because Dracula pulls the old switcheroo on him and mm-hmm. uh, when when they're doing a blood transfusion, which is supposed to help Dracula become normal. Which if he's dead, I don't really see how that's going to work. Yeah, it's not like his heart's beating, and you know, yeah, it's exactly. not like he's got a circulatory system here. Yeah. yeah. So Carradine um, switches it out, and I guess I guess the idea is that the whole thing was just a ruse, uh, so that he could meet up with the the pretty nurse again, which they they kind of they don't suggest they actually stated that they had met earlier, and I guess Drac didn't have the the opportunity to put the bite on her at that time, so he basically has followed her here, and that's really what this is all about. Right. And so he switches it out, and Doctor Edelman gets taint, they say they call it tainted with the blood of Dracula. And what's interesting is that he becomes – he doesn't become a vampire. No. He, he becomes basically like a living vampire, like a vampire who is not dead. He becomes – he's like part – he's almost like part werewolf, part vampire. You know, it's really – is what they're trying to do is make it a sort of Jekyll and Hyde kind of situation, obviously. But, I mean, they say when he kills the guy in the, that he rides into town with – yeah. Uh, they say later on that guy had his throat torn out, so that's why they assume immediately that it's that it's Talbot who's done this. So Onslow's monster is this kind of weird, I don't know, mishmash of other monsters, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, he's like it's this potpourri of beasts. You mentioned the scene where he kills the driver. I love the scene leading up to that. Why don't you look at me? Is it because you're afraid of me? I love that. He has a chance it's, to really it's just get dark. Yeah, no, it's wonderful. I love it. And the actor who's who's playing the victim in that scene is also quite good. You really feel his fear. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you see him getting more and more scared as they're going along and him trying to get the horses to go faster. And, you know, yeah. it's quite effective. No, it's um, really good. That said, though, I think House of Frankenstein is the one that's the better film overall. Oh, yeah. Oh, which, I, which is, you know, far. unfortunate, I suppose, because I like Carradine as Dracula as well and would have liked to have seen him do more, I suppose, in the Universal wheelhouse anyway. I know he would do like Billy the Kid versus Dracula and a few other things here and there, but I did like him as Drac. Yeah. I think yeah. he's got a different take on him. I'm on Team Bella, of course. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Bella is, you know, when he comes back and Abbott comes to meet Frankenstein, I mean, he's actually even better than he was in, in 1931. Yes, I agree. Uh, because mm-hmm. he's had, well, he's had now whatever it is, 16 years or whatever it is that, uh, in which he learned how to act for the cameras. Yes. Uh, you know, the original Dracula, he's still basically just staging, you know, doing a stage version, um, mm-hmm. and, and playing bigger than he needs to. But anyway, yeah, Carradine, uh, is very suave. He's very, you know, he's got that Shakespearean edge that comes across very nicely. And, uh, and he does have the look of, you know, the way Bram Stoker sort of described Dracula. A little bit. Yeah. Yes. You know, you can um, see that. 
by the way, you know, if, if a stranger shows up at your door and invites <laughs> you and invites you down into your own basement, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say that's not a great idea. Okay, <laughs> just say it's just putting it out there. Okay, yeah, that's the, probably probably not a great idea to, to have that happen. How did you get in here? It doesn't matter. Let me show you something <laughs> I put in your basement. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. And, and the other thing too is that like, you know, Larry comes in, you know, agitated as always. And he's like, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait any longer. I mean, did he really think he was going to show up uh, without an appointment and the doc was going to just cure him in the next two hours? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's like, uh, I got to hurry. The moon's going to be full any minute now. And it's like, uh, yeah, have you got something quick, maybe over the counter? I don't know. You know, that you can, you can do for me. <laughs> Somebody wolf Spain. I don't know. Somebody can just take home real quick. And... <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> You know, there's one actor that's in both of these movies that we haven't talked about. I want to get your take on this. Lionel Atwill. Yes. <laughs> Does he just keep the police detective uniform at home in his closet? You know, I, they call I, him like, hey, we got we got another role here. Can you come down? I, I doubt he ever takes it off, honestly. But, you know, it's funny. It's like I was going to say that earlier about House of Frankenstein. This is like, is this the one movie where Lionel Atwill isn't electrocuted? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like I, I admit, man, what is it? Uh, man-made monster and House mm-hmm. of Dracula. It's just like he's always getting thrown into a oh, ghost of Frankenstein. Yep, it's, he's every one of those movies. He gets he gets shoved into some big piece of machinery and gets fried. You know? Yeah, he's like in four of the Frankenstein films, right? Because uh, he's in Ghost, meets the Wolfman, and then the two House films, and it's just. <laughs> It wouldn't yeah. feel like a universal movie if if Atwill wasn't in it. You know? oh, that's a good point. <laughs> Really, that's the truth. The truth is, he was the franchise. You know, that was the one thing that in the executive meetings they were like, "We well, we have to find, have to have Atwill in it, or it's just not one of our films." <laughs> is Atwill available? Okay, cool. Let's make this happen. <laughs> one other thing I was thinking about was Edelman finds this cure for Larry Talbot, yeah. cure of his lycanthropy, and and his head's still wrapped up, and, and they go out and face the, the rising moon. Well, they must have all been pretty confident this was going to work. Yeah. Because I'm thinking to myself, they're just kind of standing there watching. And what if it hadn't worked? Yeah. <laughs> like, what what are they going to do then exactly? Well, there are no uh, controls here in place. There's no like plan B. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> uh, and you're, he's only you know five feet away basically. <laughs> yeah. And and I, I guess that Talbot figured he was it was going to work since he had the forethought of putting on a suit. Uh, uh, for, for for the transfer for the not transformation, but uh, uh-huh. it would have been kind of fun though if he had transformed right there and then in the suit and was running around with a tie and you know a nice <laughs> nice collar and cuffs and good nice shoes. Yep. As long as he's wearing the gloves, I mean that'd be <laughs> that's right, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I always struggled. I mean, I, I know you said that sometimes you feel like it might be like a, an alternate reality kind of story. But with Abbott and Costello and Frankenstein, I'm always kind of heartbroken the minute Talbot shows up in that. And he's like, I, I turn into a wolf. I was like, but you just got cured. How unfair is that? Yeah. On the flip side of that, I love that in that movie that he, he's a hero, that he's yes. he's only there to do good. Mm-hmm. He's only trying to stop other people from being hurt. That makes me feel good about the character in that film. That's my favorite movie of all time. So I start down that road and you're going to never get me off this radio show. Um, But uh, (laughs) welcome to hour four of Monster Kid Radio, where we're still talking about Lawrence Talbot. No. (laughs) And that would happen. 
believe. Yeah. Now, I, I have a feeling that if we were in the same town, we'd have many conversations like this over many cups of coffee, <laughs> staying up way too late talking about these movies. So. Without a doubt. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I loved these movies, and it was fun for me to go back to revisit them because I haven't watched them in years. I've watched up till Frankenstein meets the Wolfman over and over and over again, but I haven't watched the two house movies in a very long time. So uh, I have them on disc here. I mean, they're easily available now. People can get them on DVD. And which for a long time they couldn't. So it was joyous when they, these films actually showed up again on DVD. I love them both. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I've only watched Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Uh, I mean, I watched Frankenstein meets the Wolfman a lot more than I watch these films. But when I do watch them, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm very happy to watch them. They're a treat. I love them. Do you remember the first time you saw the two house movies or House of Frankenstein? Yes. I do. Um, I grew up on Long Island in New York. Okay. Our shock theater station, which was the, the local uh, station that, um, that acquired the shock theater package, which was all the universal films, it was called Creature Features. It was on Saturday nights at like 8.30. And this is how I discovered almost all of the universal films was every Saturday night they would show another one. And at the end of the show, they would say coming up next week. And every week it was a, a new movie that I had not seen. Oh, how exciting. Like, yeah, so House of Frankenstein and then House of Dracula and the Mummy's Curse and the Mummy, you know, the Mummy's Tomb. And so uh, those were great times for me. And I oh, remember yeah. I would miss those screenings for anything. And because, you know, back then, we live now in, a, in a, an age of instant gratification. If we want to watch one of these movies, we go to our, mm -hmm. our shelf and we pick it off and we put it on and we watch it. Back then, movies on coming on television were events that you looked forward to and you didn't dare miss it because you never knew when it was going to be on again, if it was ever going to be on again. So this is pre VHS. I loved those times. I loved going and getting the TV guide at the beginning of the week and going through it and looking through every single day to see if one of these movies was going to be on. And I would take a, you know, like a red pen and circle it and make sure that, you know, I didn't miss it, you know? Yeah. Um, and back then they were called, it was so funny because they were called, in TV Guide, they weren't called horror movies and they weren't called sci-fi movies. They were called melodrama, which is defined oh, as wow, heightened, really? uh, heightened drama, you know, almost to, you know, uh -huh. to uh, ridiculous extremes, basically. Yeah, so anytime I saw the word melodrama, that was – that me melodrama equals monsters, basically. Seeing these films for the first time and, and, and thank God they also did – they showed them in the correct order. Which was, you know, thank thank goodness, because yeah. sometimes the programmers of these stations don't know what they're doing. You know, they'll just show Son of Khan before King Kong and, you know, so forth. But, but, but those were great times. And I still can recall those feelings of that excitement of knowing that next week there was going to be another movie that had the Wolfman in it. Wow. I did not grow up in an area that had that. So for me, it was finding him on VHS, part of that Universal Monster Series collection that they put out. And yeah, but as soon as I got my hands on him, I yeah, just mainlined him. <laughs> you know, just watch him. Because I figured out the order so I could watch him in the right order, and I just went through them all. And, uh, I remember staying up way too late watching these movies. The cool thing is, too, that not so much VHS, but certainly once DVD came along, yeah. it, you not only got the movie, but you'd have – a little, uh, you know, mini documentary with Joe Dante or John Landis or, you know, someone who are going to talk about the history of the film. That's something that the only thing, I, the only way I could get anything even close to that back in my time was hope there was an article about it in Famous Monsters of Film Land magazine. 
I know that I'm incredibly, I know that we're all very lucky now that we have the internet and DVD commentaries and YouTube things and trailers from hell and all these things online. And and I know we're very lucky now. I can't imagine not having access to that because it's so, like you said, it's immediate gratification. And back then just having the famous monsters. And I mean, man, (laughs) I'm glad these movies survived, (laughs) you know, and that, there is this information out there. And even going back now and reading the old famous monsters, that's more fun than reading about it in Wikipedia. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, there's, there's an edge of just fun yeah. to it. Yeah. Pun, I think is actually the word. <laughs> there you go. By oh, Corey, there you go. There you Corey, go. Good Corey point. Ackerman. Um, I'd like to say that was planned, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know what? It, it, the truth is I feel like, and I hope this doesn't sound too pompous or stupid, but, but I really, I, I honestly, <laughs> I really feel like part of our job certainly part of my job and the reason I do my artwork and the reason I write articles sometimes for magazines and so forth and or come on radio shows like this is to keep these movies alive. I mean, keep them current and not current isn't the right word, but, but make sure that they, they don't become forgotten, that they aren't left in the dust. We need to have new generations of kids see these movies and appreciate these movies and understand that the, the movies that they watch now, the horror movies they watch now all come from th- these films directly or indirectly. They're still they're relevant. The they're, yeah. they're still relevant. Yeah. This is, and you, if you put yourself in a theater in 1944, try to imagine yourself in 1944 sitting in a movie theater watching that that movie on a big screen, and suddenly it takes on a much more scary kind of of atmosphere. I mean, I can see people being frightened to death watching that movie in a movie theater. A very different, I think of it just a very different dynamic than watching it as we do now in the comfort of our homes with our coffee or our, or beer or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Or on the iPod that you're, you know, I mean, it's, it's a totally different experience. I agree. Anytime I have an opportunity to see these movies in the theater, you know, I'm fortunate that I live in an area that brings in a lot of these movies, especially around Halloween. My last October, this past October was insane for me because I was going to the movie every other night uh, because there was always something playing. I mean, I got to see some universal films. I got to see some of this stuff on the big screen and it's a completely different experience and if you think back like you said put yourself in the mindset of somebody who doesn't have the internet on them 24 7 showing these movies you haven't been overexposed to these films because of dvd or whatever i mean i can imagine watching house of frankenstein for the first time and the last time we saw the wolfman was a couple of years ago and frankenstein meets the wolfman so it's not like you know you're used to seeing talbot at this point it's like oh it's that guy you know there's a an, an excitement that I feel like sometimes we don't get these days. So I think you're right. There's a relevance to these that I think needs to be yeah, remembered. Yeah, and, and again, if, if, if we were saying earlier about how, how really dark House of Frankenstein is. And, and I, I think that uh, there weren't a whole lot of movies back then that ended with everybody dying, you know. And, yeah. and I think the, that probably those people walked out of that theater kind of like stunned, you know? Yeah, kind of yeah. in a daze a little bit. Yeah, kind of like Talbot at the end of House of Dracula. I mean, he's just got this look on his face like, what? What, what? what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. oh, man. It's yeah. good stuff, man. I, thank you for coming back on the show to talk about these movies. I really appreciate it. And we, we got to get you back on, and this time not wait nearly as long. I'm up for uh, uh, for coming back on to talk about uh, – Whatever, what, I, I have a feeling we we love a lot of the same things, Derek. <laughs> yeah, guess, I, I think so too. 
I, I, I suspect. Like I said, many, many hours staying up way too late drinking coffee if we were anywhere near each other. We'd never get exactly. anything done. <laughs> so it's a good thing. Then. But yeah, listen, I'm, yes. I, I, I love the show. I love the podcast. I, I'm, I'm happy to come back on anytime you'd have me. Of course, we mentioned it at the beginning. Let's mention it again. It's Sketchy Things, The Art of Frank Dietz. Look it up over on yep. Kickstarter or follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. As of this recording, we got just under a month to go. It's a $4,000 goal. It's totally doable. So, listeners, if you want to see some nice artwork in your home and a book on your bookshelf, although it's probably not going to be on the bookshelf very often because you'll be looking at it quite a bit, <laughs> head over there and support Frank and support this book. Yeah, thanks, Derek. We are going to have Frank on sooner rather than later. Just got to find the time and find a couple of movies to talk about. Really appreciate you taking the time to appear on the show, Frank, and for giving us a heads up about that Kickstarter campaign. I'm really excited to see where that one goes. As I said in the last episode, I missed this week's Weird Wednesday. Made a choice. You know, it was my wife's birthday. Figured I'd spend the day with her instead of the night with Lon Chaney. I think I chose wisely. But next week at Weird Wednesday at the Joy Cinema... House on Haunted Hill. Vincent Price, man, this is going to be a lot of fun. And you're invited to my party in the house on Haunted Hill, where so far the ghosts have murdered only seven people. So won't you come and make it eight? You'll see human heads without bodies. Ah! Mysterious pools of blood dripping from the ceiling. The walls move slowly in against you. Don't try to escape, you can't. He would kill me if he could. So far tonight, one of us was almost killed by a falling chandelier. One of us has been driven to the brink of absolute hysteria, and one of us is dead. Were these accidents? Suicide? And we must stay here for six more hours. Are you ready, dear? No. Yeah? Yes. Damn you. Richard, if you know where she is, you better tell me now. She's gone. She's gone with them. And there's nothing you can do about it. The ghosts are waiting, so won't you join a house on Haunted Hill? Hooray. So that's thejoycinema.com. It's Weird Wednesday. It's November 19th at 9 p.m., 21 and over only, and it's free, and yeah, I think I'm going to be there. And if I can get my act together, we'll even make it a Monster Kid radio crash. This is one I definitely want to see. I had to miss it when I was showing at a different theater in October, so I'm going to make up for it next week. The Joy Cinema is at 11959 Southwest Pacific Highway in Tigard, Oregon. Or again, just look them up on Facebook or through our website or their website. Now, this is episode 150. Wow. 150 episodes of Monster Kid Radio. Could not have done this without the Monster Kids listening. I appreciate everybody's support. Everybody 
backing Monster Kid Radio by liking us on Facebook, giving us honest reviews in the iTunes store, sharing our status updates online, checking us out on Twitter, even though I'm not very active over there. I appreciate everybody just downloading the show. Thank you so much. You know the creature from the Black Lagoon podcast? Yeah, that's coming. Going to launch later this month. You're going to hear that coming up with me and Chris McMillan, where we're going to talk about our top three things that we love about the creature from the Black Lagoon, not named Julie Adams. This was a fun conversation. Can't wait to share that with everybody here. And yeah, it'll be fun. This upcoming weekend in Salem, Oregon, Friday the 14th, Saturday the 15th, and then again the 21st and 22nd of November, Karloff. The one-person play by Randy Bowser, authorized by Sarah Karloff. Sarah Karloff will be in town to see the show, the 14th and the 15th, and I'm going to be at the show the 15th. It's at 8 p.m. Tickets are on sale now. It's at the Level B Theater Pub in Salem, Oregon. Go look up Karloff the Play, all one word, in Facebook, or again, follow the link in the show notes at monsterkidradio.net. If you're going to go, let me know. I would love to see you there. This one... Man, I've been watching Randy's progress on this. And if you go to the Facebook page right now, you'll see him in the Karloff makeup. It looks real good. Next week on the show, I'm sure you're going to hear me talk about how the show was. So we've got that coming up. And a few other things. Stay tuned. You'll get to hear them. In the meantime, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Cut and Dry. That belongs to the Mighty Surf Lords. It's on their album Into the Surf. You can find them at MightySurfLords.com. We appreciate them giving us the okay to play this on Monster Kid Radio. Talk to everybody next week. (laughs) 